the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year. Download the app, personalize it, tell them who you like. It's free, it's easy, it's ad free. Theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti. Emergency third podcast this week. Something I generally don't do, but big quarterback contract news here with Russell Wilson's extension and the lack of Lamar Jackson's extension, but that could be expedited at this point. Joel Corey, former agent, excellent cap expert, contributes for CBS Sports with great pieces regarding all of this stuff. He joins me in a few minutes here to discuss everything from Russell's contract to what it means for Lamar, the guaranteed contract that Deshaun Watson has that's kind of sitting out there like a sore thumb that everybody's afraid to look at. Nobody has really approached just yet. Joel answers the question of, will somebody approach that contract? And that's not just Lamar. That's Joe Burrow. That's Justin Herbert. We get into basically all the quarterback contract talk you can tolerate in 20 minutes. So good to have him here for the back end of this show. More NFL news to get to here just quickly, though. Kind of breaking news. Derrick Henry, whenever there's positive running back contract news, I have to get it in. So here it is. He gets an extra $2 million cash. They basically took $2 million from next year, pulled it into this year, restructured the deal so that there's a $9 million signing bonus, saved over $5 million of cap space, which they needed. They were high because they're keeping Ryan Tannehill's highest cap hit in the league at $38.6 million, right where it is. They do not want to touch that one because they, uh, they fear they're going to have to move on from that contract after this season. They don't have that fear with Derrick Henry. In fact, what this contract, what this contract restructure says to me is, A, he gets more money, which is important because he's going to be a big, big part of this offense with A.J. Brown gone and a lot of youngsters kind of running the passing game outside of Tannehill. So obviously it's going to be pointing back to Derrick Henry quite a bit here. If he's still Derrick Henry, come week 17, come, you know, any kind of postseason run, now they can rip up next year, make it a lot easier. There's already some dead cap proration built onto this restructure because they added two void years. So they can either cut, cut the head off of the, chick, you know, of the chicken and say, well, they're going to take the dead cap hit. Tannehill's gone, Derrick Henry's gone, we're totally rebuilding. Or maybe they can do the, uh, you know, let's flip this quarterback on the fly thing. Maybe that's Kirk Cousins. Maybe that's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we can speculate and we will for months, I'm sure. But And then they continue to say Derrick Henry is still our focal point, even though he's 28 years old. Now they can convert this into a brand new contract with the last year of the 2023 salary, make that a new signing bonus, go from there. He'll be a little bit high paid for the age, but he's Derrick Henry. And you just don't screw around when you got a guy that can run your offense for, what, 75% of a season? That's basically what he's been for the past four or five years. I, I, I like this. I, I just, I've been calling for this on Tennessee Radio when I've ever had the chance to go on there. This is a no-brainer for me because while you have question marks in other areas, and, and there's some defensive question marks as well with Jeffrey Simmons and things like that, this is not a question mark. I mean, this guy... If he wants to be there and you're compensating him properly, he's going to be a workhorse. And until that declines and until that falls off a cliff, which we know it will at this position, just keep doing this. Just keep pushing it down the line, make him happy financially and build your offensive scheme around it. So that's what we have here. I was calling for this quite a bit ago. I'm glad it finally got done before week one. It makes sense from a cap perspective as well. And uh, we'll see what happens this time next year with Derrick Henry. But for now, he's, uh, he's a happy man. Titans get an extra $5.2 million of cap space. We'll see if they use that to round out this roster and compete with Indy for that division. But good move overall, win-win situation for both sides. Let's uh, talk some quarterbacks here with Joel Corey. 
All right, thrilled to be joined by Joe Corey, the former NFL agent, current contributor to CBS Sports. Did a great piece on Lamar Jackson's financial situation, which probably changed today because Russell Wilson locked in another massive quarterback contract extension. Joel, welcome back. And uh, just your overall take on the pulse of quarterback contracts in the NFL right now. Well, yeah, after Russell Wilson, I think uh, Lamar Jackson faces a bigger uphill climb to get a fully guaranteed contract than he did um, earlier in the week. Uh, that's now the last two big deals, um, Kyler Murray and now Russell Wilson, who don't have fully guaranteed contracts. So I would imagine every team is calling the Deshaun Watson deal an outlier, anomaly, aberration. And everyone assumes Lamar Jackson wants fully guaranteed contracts. I'm operating under that premise. So if he's adamant about that, then he's probably going to have to start playing the franchise tag game to get one. Yeah, I I agree with that. I've been saying that quite a bit. And and by the way, that's not the worst situation in the world. We know that, you know, the injury stuff doesn't scare too many people right now. We've seen plenty of quarterbacks come back and still get paid where they belong. Your piece on CBS Sports recently is not a fully guaranteed contract. Does that make me believe that you don't think that's coming? You think that he's going to eventually have to give in and settle for something that's 75%, 80% guaranteed? Well, if he's afraid of going year to year, yes. If he's willing to be like uh, Kirk Cousins and embrace the franchise tag, play that game, then he'll he'll get one eventually. He may have to go two years after the uh, mm-hmm. option year expires, 23 and 2024. And then if he goes the franchise tag game, that's where it gets interesting because of the two different tags and the price point. We've seen that there have been five times quarterbacks have been franchised over the past 10 off, last 10 off seasons. Four out of the five times, it was the uh, exclusive tag. Um, for the exclusive tag, you can't solicit yourself uh, for offer sheets. It's a closed negotiation, whereas non-exclusive, you can try to get a team to sign you and the compensation is two first-round picks. Um, problem is, two first-round picks is not the going rate for uh, – High caliber quarterback now because we saw Russell Wilson go for two first, two seconds, and multiple players. And we saw Deshaun Watson go for three picks plus. And you've seen non quarterbacks, Laramie Tunsil, um, Jamal Adams go for more than two first round picks. And then Lamar earlier in the week was tweeting, and maybe this was him being crazy like a fox, thinking ahead. You think you're going to franchise me for not a tag? Miami, come get me. So <laughs> the exclusive, the number for the exclusive tag, the way it projects right now is 45.268 million. It's based on average top five, essentially cap numbers for 2023. And that's subject to change depending upon yeah. um, what happens in the market between now and then. But for restructures, it gets locked in the day you franchise somebody. So any restructure after, we'll say he gets franchised March 6th next year. So if Deshaun Watson got restructured March 7th, well, he stuck at 54.993 million for the calculation. So that's what you have to go off right now. And if you played that for two years, 20% raise, you're basically making 100 million over two years and could, could be free because the third franchise tag is 44% more than the second. So we're talking close to 80 million for the third. Right. And almost no cap flexibility there. I mean, you're, you're basically sticking Baltimore with 46 million. Yeah. 45 in, in over 50, the second time 54. 
uh, close to 55, you're not having cap flexibility anyway. Yep. Not, not at all. So um, again, something that Lamar can kind of bank on. That's probably why we're here with him right now. You, you mentioned the, the compensation. We've seen this quite a bit in basketball, to be honest. And uh, I know you, you, this, you lived in that world for quite a bit, maybe not in the, the, the free agency trade, you know, player empowerment world that we have now, but we've seen some teams basically say, especially restricted free agency wise, all right, we're, gonna, we're just going to let you dangle out there a little bit. And we're going to let somebody actually make that offer. And then we'll come in and we'll match that offer really no matter whatever it is, because we don't believe somebody's going to go fully guaranteed. Do you believe that's the case with Lamar Jackson, Joel? Do you think that there's not a team out there right now that will fully guarantee a contract for Lamar Jackson? I wouldn't run that risk with the non-exclusive tag with the, yeah. uh, with him. It's, it'll, it'll be about 32 million. It'll be 14.212 of the 2023 cap. I wouldn't, I wouldn't run that risk of a quarterback needy team deciding, you know what, we'll give two first round picks and try to make this thing as unpleasant as possible for you. Let's hypothetically, let's say Justin Fields stinks up the joint this year. <laughs> Bears are going to have a hundred million cap space or, or around that. They could front load a contract because you can't do poison pills in a manner that the Ravens are like, eh, that's kind of tough for us to do. So I wouldn't, I would just go ahead and give him the exclusive tag just to eliminate the fact that he could talk to anybody. And also if you go exclusive and you wanted to trade him, you're not capped at two first round picks as compensation. Right. Because who would give up more than two first round picks on a non-exclusive tag? Because you can just sign him. That's all you're going to give up. That's right. Yeah, there's way more flexibility for other teams on, on the lower tag. No question about it. All right. So let's just assume that's going to happen. And, and at least for now, the conversation of Lamar's multi-year contract is pretty much tabled. Next offseason... You know, we've got Justin Herbert, we've got Joe Burrow. Really, those are the two breadwinners. I guess Jalen Hurts could get in this conversation at some point this year. But those two guys, I have to imagine, are going to be the early extension candidates. Do either of them have realistic expectations for a fully guaranteed contract? Or do you think that this whole conversation is now dead for the interim? I think it's it's dead for the time being. Um, one, the archaic funding rule, which is stuck in the CBA until the next decade, because that's how long the CBA runs, is a huge impediment to fully guaranteed contracts. You've got two owners, which basically have family-run businesses, so they aren't the most liquid NFL owners. The Browns just sold, not the Brown, the Brown family for the Bengals just sold naming rights to the stadium, <laughs> presumably for Joe Burrow. The first problem with Cincinnati is they don't even do uh, base salary guarantees for veteran contracts. <laughs> I know both these guys, the argument would be out of fully guaranteed contract as a rookie. So I said a fully guaranteed contract as veteran. But if the Bengals, they're like the Steelers were until TJ Watt and now Mika Fitzpatrick, no base salary guarantees. So he's got to first get rid of that precedent and then try to get the fully guaranteed contract for, by NFL standards, a cash 14. And you got another cash 14 by NFL standards and with the Chargers and the Spanos family. So I don't, I think it's dead. I think the next time you see one would be Lamar going franchise tag, franchise tag. Then in 2025, he's on the open market. And if Kirk Cousins could get one, yeah. Kirk, I'm making sure I'm not saying Kurt like, like Bruce Allen made the mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kirk, as in Captain Kirk, uh, Cousins 
gets a uh, got a fully guaranteed contract, and Lamar's a better player, he should be able to pretty much name his price if he's willing to go year year to year. I'm with you on that. The Burrow stuff's great. I uh, I tried to poke this bear a couple of months ago when I, I was playing quarterback, you know, czar and trying to figure out where this thing was headed over the next six to ten months, and I got some serious pushback about how. You know, the Bengals have always treated their, their quarterback contracts properly and Andy Dalton and Carson Palmer. And yes, the, the, the total value of those contracts were excellent, especially for a player of Dalton's you know, caliber, which wasn't elite. But you're right. There's just, there has not been a precedence of any kind of substance guarantees on any of these contracts. Even if you look at you know, the DJ readers, the Trey Hendrickson's, you know, you know how this stuff operates. It's very loose. It's basically one and done deals like Green Bay and Pittsburgh do. And they're just going to have to change that approach like the Steelers recently have, correct? I mean, there's no way this can exist in this modern era. Oh, yeah. They got to get out of the dark ages because that was one of the problems, not only overall value, but guarantees with uh, Jesse Bates. Yeah. And Jesse Bates is, let's say they want to actually keep him, even though Daxton Hill suggests to me that they have a contingency plan and they'll let him walk in the 10-story third-round pick in free agency. But let's say, for sake of argument, they want – Jesse Bates on a long-term deal. He's represented by David Mulgetta, who just did the Derwin James deal. Yeah. So if you're talking signing bonus and then unsecured roster bonuses in year two and year three, that's going to be a sticking point, even if you were willing to pay him at the top of the safety market. So that's just exponentially a problem if you try to take that approach with Joe Burrow. So you're going to have to at least go the conventional guarantee route with Burrow, where you have the second year and maybe the third year fully guaranteed at signing or the third year vesting in year two, um, that type of approach. So it's a huge stretch to go no guarantees to a fully guaranteed contract. Russell Wilson was the guy that could have extended the life of the fully guaranteed contracts. I know he's under contract two years for 51 million, but this is the richest owner in NFL history, uh, Rob Walton of the, of the uh, Walmart family. So you got a guy with an estimated net worth of $60 billion, so funding's not an issue. With all the draft choice and player compensation they gave up to get him, if he wanted to just stick a gun to their head and tell them, you know what, I'm going to go, you need to fully guarantee everything, he probably could have gotten it. I completely agree. In fact, I'm I'm disappointed with the length of this contract because I, I was hoping he would kind of follow the Aaron Rodgers model a little bit more, which is give me three real years and then we'll talk about it after that, which I think also aligns with, you know, the rookie situation in Denver anyway. I mean, it's going to get too expensive for everybody in three years there, just how this system works. It's a three to four year cycle. So I, I'm disappointed at least early on with the, 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 stru- the length and the structure of this contract, even though it looks like three-year cash is strong, but you're right. I mean, it was a new owner. There's a ton of excitement. There's a ton of, you know, we wanted to showcase what we've done here and buying this team. And, and it's a pretty standard traditional contract, all, all things said, right? Yeah. The one thing that I'm unclear about is if that's $165 million in total guarantees or $165 million fully guaranteed at signing. If it's $165 fully guaranteed at signing, that is a mm-hmm. breaking some different ground because right now until I hear otherwise I'm still saying the second most fully guaranteed at signing is Kyler Murray's 103.3 million. So if he could extend it to 165 million fully guaranteed at signing it's not 
fully guaranteed contract, but that's something for Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow to work with. If it's basically your conventional, and let's say since his cash is 124 over three, let's say that's where it is and that's what's fully guaranteed at signing. Yeah, not the same, not the same thing. Still does take us a little bit further down the road, though, which is good. I mean, this is the you're right. This was the one guy. I wouldn't even put Kyler in that conversation. I think Kyler really, uh, you know, out outplayed his coverage here with his contract in terms of what's really six years solidified on that deal. So uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about the Kyler deal, and without getting too deep into it, can you put on your agent hat for me and and help me understand what that clause was? Just just ex- explain to me what the marketability of having that videotape clause in there was, Joel. To me, I would have told the Cardinals, that's a deal breaker. There's no deal if you want this clause and would try to explain to them, this is not good for my player and it's going to make you look bad. Because my whole thing was, why are you doing this deal if you're the Cardinals, if you have to require him to study a certain amount? And it's even a minimal amount. I'd imagine Peyton Manning studied that much in a day. Let, let alone for a week. So if you got to put that in there, maybe you should wait a year and do the deal then. Um, I never thought he was a guy who could get a fully guaranteed contract because the Cardinals are another family-run organization, uh, the Bidwell family. He couldn't even get his signing bonus paid in one lump sum upon execution like um, Nick Bosa, the second pick, the pick right after him in 2019. He had like six to seven million deferred to the next calendar year. So I'm like, there's no way he's getting a fully guaranteed contract. The uh, cash flow strong, but uh, that clause, that, that would have been a deal break. I'm like, there's nothing to talk about until that clause is out. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Only, only they took it out because of the backlash publicly. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, all right. Uh, let's stick on the, on the guys coming up here just for a little bit. We'll finish up with this. Let's go back to Burrow. Where I, I know with actually let's talk to Lamar here and then we'll, we'll transition into those next two guys because your Lamar piece on CBS Sports, you know, spoilers if you haven't read it yet, you're basically projecting this to be the highest average paid contract, the most fully guaranteed at signing, the most well, I, I should say the second most overall contract guarantees, essentially up there with Kyler in terms of uh, your Lamar breakdown here. And uh, you know, it's a big boy, it's four year extension with that fifth year option. So if you're talking Joe Burrow this time next year, is it similar numbers? Or do you think now we're in a world where 52 million is real on an average basis? Well, he came very close to winning a Super Bowl because if uh, Aaron Donald doesn't get there, Jalen Ramsey is a, is the goat of the Super Bowl because power down and Jamar Chase is wide open game over. So they're ahead of schedule. It's usually the runner up has a hangover. But let's say Burrow has another deep playoff run. He's got a case. I should be the highest paid guy. And I'm not doing anything more than four new year. That's what happened with Carson Wentz. That's what happened with um, Jared Goff when they had two years left on their rookie contract. Same with De- Deshaun Watson the first time around with the Texans. It was two two years that you had existing years plus four new years. I'm not doing anything more than four knowing that the cap is going to start taking off yep. uh, when the TV money kicks in and we fully paid back the money um, that we had to borrow to keep the cap from dropping off of a cliff in the pan because of the pandemic. So I don't want to be tied down five years like Tyler or six new years like Josh Allen. Uh, so yeah, um, Justin Herbert, 
for they need to get to the playoffs this year after everything they've done to shore up that defense through free agency and trades. They have no excuse not to make the playoffs, even though they play in the toughest division in football and do a little damage in the playoffs. So he's been great the first two years. He continues that. Both those guys are looking at that number you threw out isn't outlanded. No, I don't think it is either. And by the way, then Lamar comes back into the game. <laughs> so Yeah, actually, if I'm Lamar, what I do is if I get a franchise tag, um, I'm going as far up to the July 15th deadline for a long-term deal. Yep. I'm waiting to see if either one of those two guys gets done, and that's going to be my floor. It's fascinating. There's uh there's just a lot of money being thrown out here, but I, I agree with you. And it's a, it's a point we both kind of uh, beat to the drum on Twitter at, around the CBA negotiations. The fact that the escrow situation didn't even get touched, let alone resolved. It's a problem for this league because this league is only getting richer and richer every single second we talk about it. And uh, owners are being basically held down and, and allowed to do as they wish as players basically get non guarantees built into the back end of their contracts. Like we saw at Russell Wilson today, by the way, Russell Wilson, triple bonus structure, Joel. I, I, I imagine you don't love that. Um, he's got to get his money. It's not <laughs> great for the team from the standpoint that eventually you have ballooning cap numbers. Yeah. Um, Joe Flacco had that uh, signing bonus and double option bonus structure, and it worked out well from, for him from the standpoint that after the third year, his fourth-year cap number was so high at the time they had to give him a new deal. Yep, that's Stafford too. Back on three more years, he ended up getting more cash than he would that was originally scheduled for those uh, final three years. Became the highest paid paid player again on the extension average. You don't see that structure all that often. Although Miles Garrett has one, and the Eagles have done it with um, Jordan Mulata. But if you Russell's not the wrong guy, but you do it with the wrong guy, you've got massive proration problems. That's, that's, that's a Green Bay problem. That, they have that double option bonus structure with Aaron Rodgers. So depending upon what year he's done, man, there's going to be a whole lot of dead money Oof. at some point in that contract. Yes. Even, it's like $70 million plus, even if he plays out the next three years. That's nuts. Yeah, it's just yeah. A nuts it, it only gets worse. If he, it gets worse if he plays out the three years because then you have two – the, the proration for each option bonus, and let's say he's done after the third year. You're right. I think it is over $70 million that they have. Is a, is a, they, obviously, they could carry him on the roster until uh, June 2nd to split it. But still, you have to count 40 to one year, two years. But that's one of the drawbacks from the team if you use that structure. You can have very low or modest cap numbers initially, but eventually you got to pay the piper. Oof. Yeah, our buddy Andrew Brandt is insistent that it's a one-year deal that he is out the door from Green Bay after this year, whether that's retirement, whether that's Miami, whether it's whatever it's going to be. But yeah, that's, it's certainly a team uh, discretion to use these, these bonus structures. And, and, and one last thing, because in lieu of these bonus structures, you know, Russell Wilson gets the seven year total value contract today to, to account for those three bonuses. Is this still the structure we should be using Joel or should the void years that were so prevalent inside the pandemic era, should those just become commonplace now? Should teams continue to use those, even though it, obviously there's dead cap at the end of that game? I noticed something, which I don't know if it's going to be the new trend, that we had teams which had never done the void years like Pittsburgh. Um, they'd never done them, but the pandemic uh, made them necessity. The Bears did not do anything with dummy voiding years this year. So 
I suspect the Bears are like, we're out of that business. We're trying to keep a cleaner cap. And as the cap continues to go up and you've got significant cap growth, it shouldn't be necessary to do those. It was done out of extenuating circumstances because of pandemic for some teams. Other teams like the Saints, the Eagles, Cowboys, it's been a matter of course for years because that's just, they play the kick the can down the road game um, more so than anybody else. But I suspect the teams that haven't, that didn't do them before are going to try to get away from the voiding dummy years. It's great stuff. He's at Corey Joel on Twitter. You can find his work at cbssports.com. Always great articles, always well thought out, understandable, readable number articles. That's really hard to do. You're great at it, Joel. I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me. My thanks to Joel. Always a great discussion. Great Twitter follow as well. Corey Joel on Twitter. Please read his articles. They are excellent. It's very, very hard to do what he does, which is put a lot of information, a lot of numbers into readable, you know, not novel, <laughs> not novel length articles. And he does this quite a bit with a variety of different things in terms of the salary cap and contract projections and things like that. You know, all that stuff that we do here that we, we love to promote when people do it the right way. So good to have him. Good to talk quarterbacks. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson over the next week. It's exactly basically, yeah, it's 10, 10 days until the Ravens opener. So there's some time. Certainly this is going to push the envelope and maybe it persuades Lamar to say, all right, nobody else is getting this, this fully guaranteed situation. Maybe I have to pull back just a little bit. Or as Joel kind of laid out, and I tend to agree with, those franchise tags are juicy. And if he's willing to go year by year, he's going to be just fine financially. And he's going to put Baltimore on a real, real platform with those high cap hits. So we'll see where that gets to. My thanks to Joel. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrack. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Podcast.